Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Hallelujah. Still better. Father, as we get into your word, we pray you help us. Truly, truly, it's the entrance of his word that brings light and life. My prayer this morning is the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine brighter here today. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word, these your people would see you more clearly love you more dearly and follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, I ask that you will let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. You're my strength and redeemer, and every glad heart said amen. Didn't that just minister to you? Let it sink in. No other way. Oh, my life is better. Your whole life. I like it better when I am following you. You know, that song is so appropriate um, for what we're going to talk about today. We're going to continue in the sermon number two in our help series, and, and um, we're going to continue in the book of John. And, and one of the things, um, life is telling you all the time what you're not, what you can't have, who you won't be. One of the most difficult realities in life is for us to embrace the fact that um, there are just people who don't like us um, at all. And they reject us. And sometimes what we like to do when we're rejected is act like it doesn't matter. I don't care. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And we care about people's opinions. We care about people's thoughts. And when they don't accept us, it's devastating. In fact, uh, one of the things I think is one of the most difficult when you think about rejection is certain professions. I'm confident that I couldn't be a server. Number one, I couldn't remember your order. Um, you know, you think, <laughs> I'm not gonna remember it. I'm just gonna start bringing you out the stuff I want you to have. <laughs> but, but servers don't make a lot of money by hour. And so they're counting on your tip, your gratuity, which you perceive as optional and them doing the work perceive as non-optional. And when you don't give them a tip that speaks to how they're going to live and pay their bills, they feel rejected because in reality, you have rejected their service. And it's devastating. If you've ever been in sales, you don't have to raise your hand. If you've ever worked in sales and had to sell anything, you know there's about 10 no's to every one yes. And if you worked in fundraising like I have and had to raise millions of dollars, you know there's 50 no's. 50. 
to one yes. Even sitting here in church today, we become cognizant of the fact that we have been rejected when we try to deliver ministry to people and say, Adam, why don't you come to church with me? But you can account for more no's than yeses. And after time, when these no's begin to pile up on you, 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 you start having trouble in your own soul about your own identity. Um, now, it's one thing for your work or the things you offer to bring you rejection. It's another thing to be rejected by association. That the reason that somebody's rejecting you is because you're associated with a certain socioeconomic class, a certain living arrangement, a certain friendships, or you're associated with a certain post, or uh, they begin to reject you because not something you said, but somebody else said, and you just liked it. Then you have, in this day and age, the Facebook and Instagram trolls who troll whatever you've posted or liked for years and then predetermine that they can reject the whole of your existence because of it. Like something by someone that they don't like and instantly they don't like you and it makes you, your life feel like it's summed up, like you're bad because you've been unfriended. The worst thing about rejection is when it happens and there seems to be no rationale for it um, and it doesn't um, make sense to you. Uh, someone rejecting you based on your gender or, or your, your ethnicity or, or where your political party is just to pose against theirs. And there's a temptation when you experience rejection to partner with that rejection and reject yourself because you want the approval of the rejector more than you want your own identity. And so you'll just, you know, maybe compromise your beliefs or who you feel you should be hanging with, how you think you should be thinking. And then this is when rejection turns into really destructive behavior patterns. There's one thing to have rejection give you the destructive behavior and patterns that only speak to you as an individual, like you get into isolation or depression or even suicide, which mostly affects you and affects maybe your, your, your family around you, but is a destructive behavior pattern. But it just begins to make you lash out. In fact, the statistics would suggest that People who experience rejection uh, also experience aggression. That means they, they have aggressive feelings, uh, actions. Rejection makes people, you know, we're talking about all the shootings, and one of the shootings, somebody said they went postal. And then you can trace that back to rejection. It's only so much you can take as an individual until you take matters into your own hand because you can't live feeling that way too long. There are lots of solutions to it, and I think that people, just like when we look at um, um, last week and we were talking about people go to psychologists and, and different people to walk through, those things are healthy uh, items to have, but yet they can leave us lacking still. They only help you manage rejection. They don't help you eliminate uh, the feeling. 
I think one of the things that uh, hurts us is that we focus on what we don't have and what we're not more than what we do have. You know, it's easier to look at the grass being greener on the other side or what your neighbor has or, or someone else's success or someone else's beauty than to look at your own. And when you see their joy, you, it reminds you of your, your pain and your rejection. I've known several people out my, throughout my years of ministry, um, I was thinking about years and years ago, uh, knowing someone, everyone in this room, if I put their picture up, would say they're legitimately beautiful. But yet, because there was one day, one person said one negative thing about their body image, now has, the seed of rejection is there, and they're not good enough. They're, they're too fat. No, they're, you, you and I would look and say they're perfect, but, but what rejection does if you embrace the lie of this ministry is it makes you just reject yourself and how you were made. This rejection is, is, is really a, a powerful reality because um, they did a study. I didn't tell you this last service. They did a study, Debbie, where they put people through an MRI and the same t- physical pain lights up in your brain the same as emotional pain. And just like you can treat physical pain with Tylenol, they figure you can create, you could, uh, you know, get you some Tylenol for emotional pain. Now, now some of y'all just said, man, I'm going to get me some Tylenol today. I, mean, I didn't know you were providing solutions. Now, I'm not a doctor, so don't listen to that. That's just what my research showed me. I can't verify all that stuff now. Rejection can make your IQ in your cognition go down. You know, when you're rejected, you, you don't, you don't, you're not rational. You're irrational. The disciples were finding themselves in this condition as we looked at their life last week. You know, um, they were finding out that Jesus was not going to be with them always, and that was causing them to have a great deal of anxiety and fear. And, and he's been addressing this issue for several chapters and several verses. And, and now it's turned from them having anxiety and fear to them actually feeling the pain of rejection. And I want to explore that. And while the disciples may not be exactly what you're feeling, you can see that the, the symptoms that they have of rejection, um, even though their issue might be different than yours, they permeate our life. And so the solution for them is the same as the solution that we can enjoy. Let's go to John chapter 15. And let's start at the 18th verse. If the world hates you, what a terrible statement. We're we're, we're taught from the earliest age not to hate anyone. And yet it says, if the world hates you, this is not saying if an individual hates you. This is not saying if your brother gets mad at you and hates you. This is like the world hates you. We can take it if it was singular, but to just make the whole world hate me? And the whole world means the world. It's talking about the world's system, the world's standard, the world's way of thinking, the world's way of governing, that it is touched by the prince of the power of the air. It is touched by Satan himself, and he has created a world that actually hates God. If the world hates you, 
you know that it hated me before it hated you. Rejected by association, guilty by association, hated by association. We know this is true in the world today because you can just, like I said earlier, post or no, don't say post, just like, no, don't even say like, just appear to like something that someone else is opposed to. And they can sum you up and reject you. Even become salacious and slanderous towards you and your character because it does not line up with how they feel. Are they from God or man? Jesus said in John 7, 7, I love this. He said, but it hates the world. It hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Evil people want to be around more evil people so that they no longer feel evil. They feel common. No one, if one group is considered darkness and one group is considered light, if you're in the dark, you don't want somebody to turn the light on. There are things that happen in the dark that it's a reason the light went out. You don't even have to watch yourself doing it. But when the light comes on, what do you say when the light comes on and you don't want the light on? Turn, turn that light out. Why did you turn that light out? You see, Jesus, the light of the world, when he comes in, he dispels darkness, and anybody who wants to live in darkness starts hating him. Why you got to turn that light on? Always the light, the light, light. Bible says in John 3 and verse 12 says, we should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you rejects you, despises you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death, and everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding on the inside of them. If we go back and look at verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know, if all of us who are already born again would go back to that place when God selected us out of the world, when we actually said yes to Jesus, and some of you who haven't said yes to Jesus yet, you know, you can just imagine what that would be like one day, that, that there was a, you know, there was a time before I said yes to Jesus where I looked like I said yes to Jesus, but I knew that I did not say yes to Jesus. And, and I knew I didn't say yes to Jesus because my life was not consistent with Christ's life. Just I agreed Christ is good, 
But whenever he was out of my sight, he was out of my mind and I didn't have to deal with him. But there came a time when transformation came where I was thinking about God, Jesus, and the light all the time. And I allowed him to transform me. And in and, and, and transforming me, he informed my decisions. He informed what I did and why I did it. And I remember being, uh, uh, before I was born again, you know, my nickname was Maniac. Now, you can imagine if your nickname is Maniac, that means you act crazy. But I was the life of every party. I was the most popular person I knew. If they needed somebody to do something crazy, I, yeah, I was there. And, and so what happens is when, when you're leading all of the sin, everybody likes you. Everybody likes you. And, but the day you say, you know, we're not doing that anymore. I remember the day I announced to the people that were around me my first year in university. I mean, I said, Jesus did something in my heart. They said, you were already a Christian. This is the stuff they said. You already was, the, you know, the person we thought was. I said, no, because Christians don't do a number of things I do. You see, I, I, I remember how they began to turn it to hate. And instead of trying to help me live out the image of God, they rejected me and they just started calling me little Christian boy. And then uh, I remember my coach one day, um, once I became deeply born again, said, he just was running up the field together and he said, James Lowe just cussed. And he stopped the whole team, the whole practice, called everybody up together and said, I just heard Reverend Lowe cuss. Now they ain't been saved a good two weeks and I'm a reverend. I mean, you know, and people, people will project whatever they want on you. The world rejects you because you accept him. And whatever hatred or frustration they feel about him, they begin to feel about you. The world rejects you because it rejected him and doesn't like him. And then we're motivated to live outside of our design character. You know, the Bible says that, that there's going to come a day he was telling the disciples, let me tell you how bad it's going to get for you. And, and for those of you writing notes, Mark 13, um, 9, through, 9 through 13, you can say there, he said, you're going to be delivered to the council. You're going to be beaten in the synagogue. You're going to stand before governors and kings. First of all, th this is already bad news. He's telling them that previously they only treated me bad, but now they're going to treat you bad because, because you're with me. They reject you because you accept me. You know, that's just, just think about it. Do you really want to hang with Jesus when he talks about the pain part? Like, I want to serve Jesus without the pain. Like, why is that necessary? It's like going, when I went to the doctor and I needed a, uh, my, my uh, I had plantar fasciitis, and they, they said, you need a cortisone shot. And I said, great. You know, and they pulled that needle out, and that needle was like that long. They said, they're going to put that in the bottom of my heel. I said, I don't need that. I said, I, I can live with that pain. <laughs> we don't want the pain part of being with him. But he told all of the disciples that, he said, you were, you know, he said, they said, we'll die with you. He said, you're going to die with me. All of them were martyred for standing for Jesus. 
They did not stand for their ethnicity. They didn't stand for their rights as human beings. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't stand for their right to exist. They, they, they stood for their right to preach the best message. The only message that mattered was what about Jesus and the world rejected them. Terrible, even when Jesus is gone and, and he meets Paul on the road to Damascus and the first thing Jesus says to him is he knocks him down, why do you persecute me? What if I told you you're a part of a faith that invites persecution? Well, Pastor James, I'm just not experiencing what you experience. People like me. I want you to go for a week straight and preach this gospel hardcore. Yeah, let's see how that goes for you. Let's look at verse 21. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. It's fun when we're saying the verses about his name that give us a blessing, that give us a breakthrough. But when we have to say his name and it means taking up our cross, denying ourselves, and following him, that don't feel good. When in his name you die daily, that doesn't feel good. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. What if I were to tell you that their rejection is a reflection of their sin? That when you reject Jesus, there is no greater sin you can do. And when you're a believer and you re reject your identity in Christ, there's still sin. And I know that it is easy for us to identify with everything but Jesus. I'm a Democrat. Well, great. It can't trump your Christianity. I'm a Republican. Great. It can't trump, trump your Christianity. Well, I just stay independent. Well, great. It can't trump your, your Christianity. Whatever you want to do, uh, well, you know, I'm an African-American. Well, it can't trump your Christianity. Well, I'm a European-American. It can't trump your Christianity. Whatever other identity that you want to take on, it cannot trump who Christ is in your life. And any rejection is a reflection of sin in our life. And you might be saying, well, I think you're going too far, Pastor Jane. Well, let's look at Romans 1. He said, for the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived or seen even since the creation of the world in the things that are made so that they are without excuse. We are without excuse when it comes to identity in Christ. For although they knew God, that's us, they did not honor him as God, that's us, or give thanks to him, that's us, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. You can't trade in your Christ-centered identity you can't, you can't reflect the world and, and then, and then, then, but say you're of Christ. You have to reject the world for Christ. And if you don't, if you reject him, then you're, you're saying that I'm okay with sin. It reflects my sin. 
What is the great sin that they are doing that he's talking about in the scripture? It's, re it's rejecting the answer, the answer in Jesus Christ. If you go on to verse, uh, whoever hates you hates my father also. It's funny that the, the people that were hating on the disciples were very pious, were very religious. When they talked, they sounded right. They looked right. But when the righteous one was standing in front of them, they yet rejected it. So there is a language of the world system that sounds right. It is romantic. It tells you you can have any identity you choose. If you're a man, you can be a woman. If you're a woman, you can be a man. If you're masculine, you can be feminine. If you're feminine, you can be masculine. It tells you whatever you want to be, you can be. It is the world system and it is sin. And it says God, it accuses God of giving me permission. God, my father says, okay, but Jesus said, you can't know my father because you don't know me. See, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the father except by me. Your father is not Abraham's father. Your father is the devil and he's a father of lies and he was a murderer from the beginning. Now that's how Jesus taught. Your rejection can be a reflection of your sin. Verse 24, and if I had not done among you the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. I love how Matthew 11 says it said, woe to the unrepentant cities. Then uh, he began to denounce the cities which uh, were most mighty works had been, where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Kazazan. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For the, the mighty works done in you have been done in Ty and Sidon. They would have repented and long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable or bearable in the day of judgment for Ty and Sidon then for you and you, Capernaum, you will be exalted to heaven. You will be brought down to Hades. You will not be exalted to heaven, but brought down to Hades. In other words, what he's saying, he said, look, let's not play games as if you were oblivious to the fact that you were rejecting me. Let's not play that game. Remember the verse in Romans said, you have no excuse. God, 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 Bible says he manifests himself to every man. Then your conscience bears witness, accusing you or excusing you. No man is with an excuse for his sin. But every time we reject God, we end up in this place of sin. And when he, and, and John 16 says this way, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness and judgment concerning sin because you do not believe in me. In other words, the only way you can actually deal with your sin is believe him. You can't mix in him plus philosophy, him plus atheism, him plus uh, evolution, him plus, him plus. 
It's like we're trying to hold on to his image and the world's image at the same time. And they are contrary one to another. They just don't blend. You're going to have to decide that his way is the only way and his way is right. Their rejection is a reflection of their sin. The world rejects you because you accept him. I love as we get to this next verse, he begins to give us the answer to a very difficult question. What do I do? Because when I listen to the parts of this message, I do think about my own individual duplicity. I think about how I know to do good and, and sometimes I fall so short. Sometimes I lean into my ethnic group. Sometimes I lean into my political group. Sometimes I lean into my own preferences. Sometimes I say, yeah, yeah, what they're saying, but I don't reflect on what God has said. And I, and I find myself in a crisis. But remember, whenever I'm rejecting him, it's a reflection of the sin in me. And verse 26 says this, but when the helper comes, how many of you glad that there's help on the way? He said, when the helper comes, that means God knew you was going to have some crisis. When the helper comes, he's situated to deal exactly with your rejection. He is a comforter. He is a counselor. He is a provider. He is, he is not just power. He is a person. He is God. When the helper comes, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. He, he begins to help you understand things about God. The helper comes. How many need help? I need help every day, all day. I don't need help part of the day. I need help all of the day. When I think about all of the rejection I feel and all of the rejection I can feel and all the enemies that's against me, I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I don't have the mental acuity or the emotional capacity. I actually am a candidate for help. And even though he hadn't poured out the Holy Spirit yet, he was telling them, there's a day that you're going to be clothed with power, not just what's in you, but but what's, on, what's upon you. And then you'll have the ability to speak back to the darkness and speak to the persecutors and speak to the rejectors. You'll be having that power on the inside. And possibly the very thing that's going wrong is we don't have the right help from the helper. There was no reason for him to say that the helper would come if you didn't need help. He said, but when the helper comes, whom I will send, not maybe send, this is a guarantee. With the helper whom I will send, to you from my Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me, he has been with me from the beginning. The Spirit of truth is here to deal with the disciples' feelings of rejection and feelings of persecution and loss of identity. See, the world system tells you that your uh, Christianity is antiquated, that it is out of touch, that it's negative to be considered evangelical, which you are with all of its flaws. But you know, I ain't evangelical. I don't know. You're not Baptist. I know you want to say we ain't nothing wrong with Baptist, but I'm just saying somebody just start claiming other stuff when it was bad for evangelicals. Don't claim other stuff. Just claim who you are. Okay, Christ Jesus is the Lord of it all. With all of, even when the church has flaws, the spirit of truth says he laid down his life for the church. See, even, even when the church shows up and it's, and it's sometime, he, he says, he still says that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless people through my church. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to build my church. The spirit of truth helps you understand what you're not so that you can see what he is. He leads you back to Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the son of the living God. He gives you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Jesus, the source of everything. He points you back to Jesus. He doesn't point you to weakness. So when the enemy gives you an identity that's other than the identity that Christ Jesus has given you, then the spirit of truth comes in and says, that's not true. You've got something to say. Christians do not have to be the most educated people on the planet. They just have to be the representatives of Christ because he's the most educated person that ever lived on the planet. He leads you into all truths. So you can go in there with your ignorance, but you're still going there with Holy Spirit power. You can go in there with your youth, but you're still going in with Holy Spirit power. You can go in with your frailty and, and all the things that are not clear to you and you don't understand how to dispel all mysteries and all that stuff. But guess what? I got good news to you. You don't have to because he's in you. The well of water is springing up into eternal life. The spirit of truth helps you correct every lie. Who told you that you weren't fearfully and wonderfully made? Who told you you weren't beautiful? Who told you your body type wasn't the right type? Though your height wasn't the right height? Your way, your temperament wasn't the right temperament? Who told you that God made a mistake of how he made you? You should have been darker skin when you wanted to be light skin. Should have been lighter skin when you should have been darker skin. Who, who told you all the computers? You, you wanted to be something else other than what God said. And that's how the world thinks. They go so hard to change themselves instead of looking to the spirit of truth who said, you need to be yourself. You need to be who I called you to be. You need to be who I built you to be, who I made you to be. The spirit of truth leads you and guides you. And so here's what he does. He says, so you can be a witness. He has silenced the church. We have no voice because we feel rejected. And instead of the world being in a crisis, the Christians, what we have done is say, it's a crisis. It's a crisis. It's a crisis. It's a crisis. What we're going to do? It's okay not to know what to do as long as you call for help. Help me, Lord. You've got the answer. I need help. Help. And he answers every cry, every call. He's always there giving you power to stand, power to look, power to speak, power to be. He gives you the spirit of truth against the lie of the devil. You're not weak. You're not broken. You're not antiquated. You're not lost to this world. You're the hope of this world. The whole earth groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The world is waiting on you. The world is waiting on me. It's not rejecting you. It needs you. Told you that lie. Stand to your feet. The world needs you. The world needs you. With your warts and your weaknesses and your insecurities. He needs the ethnicity that he gave you. He needs it. He doesn't need you to fix everything about your ethnic. He needs you to be. Call him for the help. If he wanted to fix some of the stuff that was here, guess what? When he was walking the earth, he could have fixed it himself. Yeah. 
Don't you know he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies? Don't you know how boastful our Lord is? He can save by many or by few. One word and he could have delivered Jesus from the cross, but he chose the cross to redeem. Stop thinking. Uh, I say that, Lord. Here you go. Here, here, here's a word for you. First Peter. I don't have no glass. Okay. First Peter 4 and 12. Said, beloved, do not be surprised about the fiery trial which has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering. And you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in his name. For it is time for the judgment to begin at the house of God. And it begins with us. What will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? You are needed. You are needed. And you just need a little help because you may be like me, who I know the truth, I know the way. Sometimes I need a little strength and a little nudge to live it out. Let me pray for you. Bow your head. Lift your hands half mass. Let it be a holy moment for you. Holy Spirit, if we were not clear, we need your help. Take in a deep breath. Your help is here. Take another deep breath. Your help is here. One more time. Your help is here. Lord, I ask you to freshly empower these your people. Feel these your people. Bless these your people. Give them the power to reject every image that fights against the image of you, to live for you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give God praise for what he's done this morning through his word? What a great Sunday to be a part of the church service today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, thank you for being with us uh, as you make your way out of the sanctuary. Just a couple of things to be aware of. Again, this Wednesday, uh, we have uh, our Wednesday prayer at 6 a.m., which has been just amazing uh, in person and on Zoom. And then at 7 p.m., we have Bethel Midweek that we want to hear those questions from you. Uh, however you want to get them to us, you can go ahead and text that number. You can uh, DM us on any of our social media platforms, and we'll get that Wednesday night at 7 p.m. You'll hear some answers to those questions. As you make your way out of the sanctuary, please keep in mind social distancing. And uh, we have doors 
on uh, the right and left side. So please go to whatever door is closest to you. They will all take you to the lobby, but it'll just help you uh, maintain distance at that time. We love you guys. We're just excited to be a part of your church. And I hope you have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday. The Lord is a shepherd. The Lord.